In today's episode of Dark Winter Nights, True Stories from Alaska, I share the story of something I discovered in the summer of 2018 that made headlines across Alaska. And I just thought it'd be funny to say, you know, hey, is there anybody in the neighborhood I should avoid? Which I thought was a joke because it's a fairly nice neighborhood. And he said, actually, that guy. And pointed to our neighbor and I was like, what? Won't you be my neighbor? Up next on Dark Winter Nights, True Stories from Alaska, I'm Rob Prince. In the summer of 2018, my neighbor's house went up for auction by the borough because he hadn't been paying his property taxes for years. He was a notorious recluse in our neighborhood, and after watching the general public come and grow from his property for months, inspecting it for the upcoming auction, my family and I decided to have a look for ourselves. A quick warning to sensitive listeners and listeners with children nearby that this story does contain some brief imagery they may find disturbing. I shared this story at our November 2018 live event in Fairbanks. 2010, we moved into our house, and on the, on the, the day we moved in, a neighbor came up to welcome us to the neighborhood, and I just thought it would be funny to say, you know, hey, is there anybody in the neighborhood I should avoid? Which I thought was a joke because it's a fairly nice neighborhood. And he said, actually, that guy, and pointed to our neighbor, and I was like, what? Because I got like a six-year-old kid, you know, and a wife and stuff, and that was not the answer I was expecting. He said, yeah, he used to be a really nice guy. And then something went wrong in his head a while ago, and now you don't want to have anything to do with him. And I thought, okay, wow, that's, that's weird. So now i gotta, I got to fill you in a little bit on, on the place where we live. We live up off Bullane Hill. We have almost five acres. It's all wooded. We can just barely, this guy's house is just about the only house we can barely see his roof from our house. And so for years, I basically wouldn't try to do anything that might be perceived as aggravating the situation. I wouldn't chainsaw near that side of the property. I wouldn't, if there's like something interesting, I wouldn't rent out with binoculars. So you think I was the CIA or something like that. And I, you know, we always kind of, we just lived in the shadow one of this guy wondering if at some point he's just going to lose it and we're going to be the nearest target. But in all that time, I never once, not once saw him. He apparently would go and do grocery shopping late at night so he wouldn't have to interact with people. I never saw him shovel his driveway, never came across him ever. No idea what he looked like. Then last winter, for the first time, I noticed all winter long there were no tracks in his driveway. And I thought, he's dead. And I don't know what to do about it because normally in this situation, well, you'd go over and say, everything okay? I couldn't do that, wasn't allowed to do that, specifically told not to do that. So the other option I thought was, well, I can uh, call the troopers and do a wellness check. But in my mind, I could see that conversation happening and, and you know, say, hey, can you guys do a, a wellness check on my neighbor? Sure, what's his name? I don't know. How old is he? I don't know. Does he have any friends in town? Uh, you ever leave the state? I don't know. So I could see that conversation not going well and being kind of embarrassing for me. So I felt like I did not have enough information to justify a wellness check. So I just kind of agonized all winter, wondering if he was in pain, you know, what, what the situation was. Because where we live, you're not going to, and like a lot of you, you're not going to be comfortable very long without getting water delivered, without getting oil delivered, of course, not getting groceries, all those kind of things. So... Finally, in early summer, I'm driving by his, his driveway, and there's a sign goes up at the bottom of his driveway. It says, house is up for auction due to lack of paying borough taxes. And I'm like, oh, at least this is in the capable hands of the borough now.
I wasn't sure if you were going to see the foreshadowing on that one. <laughs> they must have known what happened. They've got this all cleared up. It's, they've got it under control. So all summer, you know, we'd see people coming and going from the property, assumed they were borough people, you know, tried to, you don't want to be like creepy and jump out and be like, what are you doing here? But what happened to them? So we kind of like wait to time it. We like see a car, we go back to the house, we'd keep, quick come down the driveway and pretend we're going for a walk and by then they would, they would be gone. So it wasn't until uh, about August, a couple weeks before the house is supposed to go up for auction, that we managed to catch somebody. Just a guy walking down the driveway, and we say, what's going on? You know anything about what's going on with this place? And he said, I'm just here looking at it because I'm thinking about bidding on it for the auction. And we're like, huh, so the general public is just wandering around our neighbor's property now. That's interesting. And my, my mom happened to be in town, and my mom is a window peeker. Do you all know what window peekers are? <laughs> Very different from um, the, what are the other, the bad ones? Peeping Toms, thank you. It's a very different group I want to distinguish between the two. She's not in it for that sort of titillation. She, <laughs> her idea of a good time is to like, a house is for sale, maybe in the neighborhood, clearly nobody's been around. We're gonna walk up and look in the windows and see how they lived or something, you know. So, we've done it a few times, it's always embarrassing, but. So she's from Michigan and there's a lot of window peekers there, so. I want to close your blinds if you live in Michigan. <laughs> Especially at night, we do it from the car. Um, anyway, she's in town, and uh, the next day is Sunday, and she says, let's go have a look. And my wife and I are like, yeah, let's go see how this guy's been living like a recluse. You know, that's, that's kind of interesting. And, and my daughter, who's 14, we're like, you want to come? She's like, no, I want nothing to do with a recluse's house. And she was very smart, too. I'm very glad she decided not to come along. So we walk down our driveway, down the road, and we walk up his driveway. And the first thing you have is the garage. I don't know why they do this. In our neighborhood, the garage is, like, way down from the house. I assume, like, if it's bad weather, they thought you could park there and walk up. But then it makes the garage useless. But at any rate, we come to the garage first. And the garage is, you know, kind of unfinished. It's like a two-story garage. And it's not terrible looking, but... We walk up to it, and there's a, there's a door, and next to the door is a sign that the borough's posted that says, inspect at your own risk. And I look at that, and I think, they knew the general public was coming and looking around. Wouldn't they make it extremely clear if they didn't want you to go in, right? They'd say, do not enter, and they'd, like, bar the door and all that sort of stuff. I'm like, inspect at your own risk kind of implies you can inspect, right? <laughs> it's sort of like swim at your own risk, you know? So we're like, okay, well, I guess we can go in. So try the door, open it, and I'm going in. And uh, honestly, I was a little bit disappointed because it was not creepy at all. <clears throat> open the door. He's got a really old, like, 70, I don't know, it's a, a silver Subaru wagon. I'd, like, never seen that model before. And he's got a, a red pickup with some stuff piled on it. But to be completely honest, his garage was less creepy than mine. Nothing too weird in here. Close the door. And we continue to walk up to the house. As we're walking up the house, the driveway is kind of gravel and grass, and there are um, trees growing about this high in the driveway. And I'm thinking, nobody has been up this driveway in a long time. You can't even see the house from the garage, so we, we make our way up to the house. And the house is kind of like a corner-shaped house, and the entrance to the house is kind of in, the, in, that, in that front corner. And the house is 
It looks kind of like Alaska homeowner built, you know, a little bit. Not terrible, but you know, there's like a tiny little balcony off an upstairs door that doesn't have a railing. It's like, I think that's probably not up to code, but whatever. And there's another sign by the front door that says, inspect at your own risk. And by this point, this has become like the Alaska welcome mat to me. <laughs> Come on in, inspect at your own risk, anyone? There's pretzels on the table. So, um, <laughs> so I'm like, all right, we're going in. Try the door. It opens. I'm like, all right, here we go, going into the inner sanctum. First thing that we see is this small landing, and then there's some stairs that go up to kind of a second floor kind of open area there, pretty small. And my wife and my mom decide they're going to go up the stairs first, and again, a bunch of rolls of toilet paper and clothes, but his stuff is still there. I decide I want to go around this door. There's another door that's going somewhere else, and I don't know where that goes, and I want to find out. So I go around. I open this door. I'm all by myself, and there's a narrow, short hallway, and I see some shoes here, and I don't know, understand what, what this area is, but it is pitch black in there because he has covered up. There would be plenty of light normally, but he had covered up all of the windows with that thin foam board insulation. So it is black in here. And so I pull out my iPhone click on the light, and I'm going in. And this is where the music would play if you were watching a, <laughs> a movie of this type. I go through the little bit of the, the hallway there, and then it opens up, and it's probably 15 by 15. And the first thing I see is, it looks like a queen-size bed. I'm, I'm looking at the, the footboard for it, and the sheets are like this thick on it, like comforter, like clearly he's having some cold nights there. And so big old thick sheets. And I'm looking at, with all I can see is my little iPhone, and I kind of like one eye closed, you know, like, I'm not in the mood to be surprised by anything, and I'm thinking, he's dead in the bed. And I'm just like, kind of looking, it's sort of beyond the reach of my iPhone a little bit, and I'm like, expecting him to see just like the top of a head or some, you know, hair. And I don't really see anything, and the bed is made. I'm like, probably unlikely he died in his sleep, and the bed stayed so nice. So, I come around to the left side, there's some things in the back corner, and then Right around here to my left is uh, like a wooden desk, and he's got seven or eight cans of food next to it, stacked next to it. So I'm like, okay, this was like his home base. This is where he was operating from. But the place is not, it's not messy. He's not a hoarder. It smells like really bad basement smell, like kind of musty, moldy, kind of like really bad grandma basement smell. And then I look around to the right, and there are these two other rooms off of it, almost like little den, like a den or two. And I don't know why the room is laid out this way, but there's kind of a little cutout to access them. And I can kind of look into the one over here and I see some boxes, nothing too interesting. But then I have to come around a little bit to see into this room that's opposite this wall. And I come around the corner and I'm not entering the room, but I'm just looking into the room and I see something that I cannot tell what I am looking at. It looked like, like a five foot tall stuffed animal rabbit flopped over in a chair with its head between its knees and its hands hanging down on the floor. And it's just in a little wicker chair. It's got a like sweatshirt and sweatpants on. So someone's chosen to dress up this stuffed animal. But poking out of the edges of the sleeves are um, fuzz, like stuffed animal fuzz. That's like an inch long. This like gray, whitish fuzz like you'd have on a stuffed animal. And it goes all over the hand and it's poking up around the neck. And I'm like, why would this dude who's like probably in his 70s have a like five foot tall stuffed animal rabbit? 
And why would he put it, why would he flop it over in the chair when he's a pretty tidy guy? Has he used this thing often or something? And the other reason I thought it was a stuffed animal was because it was flopped over so far that I, it's farther than I could flop. I could never get my head that far down between my knees. It was like it had no spine and no, nothing inside here. And so I'm, I'm sitting there with my flashlight looking at that thing, and I, I, I just straight up cannot figure out what this is. And then I notice something else. I notice that the fuzz that just encompasses this whole hand continues onto the ground and goes between its feet and connects to the other side. I'm like, is it like disintegrating this thing that, that fuzzes all over the place? And then I look at the, the head, and I notice that there are no big, nice, stuffed animal fuzzy ears. There's long gray hairs and patches of skin. And that's when I realized this is probably not a giant stuffed animal. I still honestly wasn't sure. And I remember distinctly taking a moment to think, what do I yell that's appropriate for my mother because she is here and she's a good Christian woman and I do not want to swear, but I do want to communicate very clearly that I think I found him and we need to get out of the house right now. So I, 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 I did okay. I kind of took the Lord's name in vain and I said, oh my God, he's in here. I found him. And bam, we are out on the porch so fast. I don't even remember. They don't want to see him. They're not interested in that. They'll take my word for the description of it. And we're out there and we're like, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? And uh, my wife is like, well, we can't call the police. We're trespassing. <laughs> and my mom, my sweet mom says, it's okay. I'll take the heat. She's like 74. She's going to go to FCC for us and like hang out with them. But like, I made them go in. So I'm like, no, 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 no. Here's the deal. We're doing a wellness check, okay, because we kind of were. I'm going to call the police, tell them we were doing a wellness check on our neighbor, and we found him. So I, I call 911 for, I think, the first time in Fairbanks, which is kind of good, good news. And, and I say, um, so we found my neighbor, and uh, uh, he's, he's dead, and he's been dead a very long time. You no rush. I wanted to communicate very clearly. <laughs> you don't have to come like sirens blazing. I'm pretty, I'm no coroner, but I'm pretty sure I can call this one. <laughs> and uh, so we walk back down the driveway and um, the first people to show up are the EMTs and they're the UAF EMTs who the students are also EMTs. And we, we, we went down to meet him because he has no mailbox, he has no address, sign, anything. We want to make sure they found the driveway. And uh, we walk up with the EMTs and they say, can, can you show us the body? And I say, sure. Because honestly, I kind of, I knew this was going to be a seminal moment in my life. And I wanted to take in this space a little bit more because I knew it was going to change my life kind of forever having experienced this. So I, I really didn't have a problem going in and looking again. Of course, they don't have flashlights, so we have to use my phone. <laughs> again, just add to it the creepiness. So we come around and uh, show it to them, and they're like, yeah, he's, he's dead, all right. <laughs> but then I see something that I didn't see the first time. And between his legs, it looks like there's this pipe. And I'm looking at that pipe, and I'm thinking, what is this room that there's plumbing running like eight inches across above the floor? I'm like, no one would do that. Even in Alaska, you wouldn't run plumbing just through your, through your house like that. 
And I thought maybe he knocked over a lamp when he died. And I'm looking at it more closely, and I notice that on the top of this pipe is a trigger, and it's a shotgun. And that's the moment where it just, this wave comes over you, and suddenly the story comes together. And you're like, oh my goodness, like, apparently he, he, he must have shot himself in the chest, because if he'd shot himself in the head, I don't think there would have been a head, head left. We go back out on the porch. My mom is crying because she feels terrible. This is just supposed to be a fun little window peeking thing, and she just feels so guilty. She goes back to the house. She tells my daughter what happened. We answer some questions for the troopers, and then when they leave, they're pulling on sleeve protectors and gloves, and they're going back in, and I think they earned their pay for that particular day. After about a week, the ADN called me, or sent me a message. They said, hey, um, so I understand you live next to this guy, you know, they didn't know I was the one who found him and I, I told him I was and so they told me they wanted to do a story about him, about his life, not necessarily about this part, but about who he was before all of this. So they came up and we did an interview. I thought, well, this will probably be like section F, you know, page five or something at some point. Well, then the following Sunday, it was a Sunday of Labor Day, I think, my friend Sarah was down visiting in Anchorage, and, and she shoots me a text picture of the cover of the ADN above the fold, this guy's house. I'm like, holy cow, like I had no idea this was that big of a deal. And then a week later, same thing with the, with the news miner. And uh, it's pretty amazing, and it raises some interesting questions, such as, can you auction off a house with a dead man in it? Um, <laughs> And it is kind of hard to pay your taxes when you're dead, so does that change the whole, like, didn't pay his taxes thing? But, you know, I really appreciated the, the way they, they, they handled it. They had a lot of good information. Um, first of all, his name was Paul Pasika, and he apparently was a, a pretty influential guy in Alaska politics in Juneau in the 80s. And, and then sometime in the 90s, things unfortunately started to go wrong in his head, and he would talk about like hearing Jesus, and friends tried to, to check in on him for a long time, and then eventually, you know, a few years ago, someone tried to check in on him and, and had such a bad experience with it that they just said, we can't, we can't do it anymore. They also found out that it was like four years since he had gotten a water delivery. I thought maybe a year or two. We were gone the year before, so I couldn't say if if he had any tracks, but it could have been he was there three to four years at most. And he's basically like in a root cellar, you know, so he just probably froze and thawed and froze and thawed for a number of years. The ADN took it as a kind of, you know, this is what happens when we don't check in on our neighbors kind of thing. But I think for me, that was like too simple of a way of looking at this. That's, that's kind of what we want it to be. We want to be able to say this could have been prevented if we were all just more social. But I don't know how this could have been prevented. And the problem I think that maybe we just can't abide, that we can't handle, is that sometimes some people can't be saved. That was me, Rob Prince, sharing that true story from Alaska at our November 2018 Dark Winter Nights live event in Fairbanks. This episode of Dark Winter Nights was edited by myself, Rob Prince, live audio recording by Alaska Universal Productions, story consultation by Lori Neufeld. These are the stories we tell up here in Alaska on Dark Winter Nights. I'm Rob Prince.